2: Minimum of four lines for twenty five dollars per line per month without auto pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty four monthly bill credits for all qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due thirty five dollars per line connection charge applies. ctmobile.com
0: The opening face-off in a moment. Connor Bedard has been dreaming about for a long time.
2: Hey Sid, welcome back for another season. Connor, welcome to the NHL, man. Okay, guys, it's show time.
3: Have a great game. We're back live with more of Anthony Heron and Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score and Odyssey Station.
1: You've been anticipating his arrival, and it is finally here. No, I'm not talking about Conor Bedard. I'm talking about our next guest. Joining us right now on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Of course, he is the host of CHGO Blackhawks. You can catch him all over CHGO. I think he does the – you do the other podcast too, right? The uh, – the one with all your all your showmates on there as well.
2: Yeah, the MFAP yeah. podcast, of course. Oh, yep.
1: oh, that one, that one I know. I was talking I, <laughs> I, I, that one I know well. Uh, I was talking about yeah, the, yeah. the other one, the CHGY. I missed miss that one. Uh, but of course, it's Jay Zawoski. Jay, you got you got one. You got one period in. Um, did he, did he, what what can we even say?
2: Well, it's. I'm glad it's here because I think. Well, we're tired of asking him the same questions, and he's tired of answering the same questions, and. I think he's just really excited to be actually playing in a hockey game that counts and means something. And uh, through one period, he's been impressive. Uh, the Hawks are losing 1-0 in the first period, but uh, he's had seven shot attempts, uh, two very in-close chances, uh, and every time he's on the ice, uh, good things are happening. And you can almost hear, you know, when they announced him in the you know pregame, he got booed, and then every time he touches the I, the puck here in Pittsburgh – the crowd just goes silent, like they're anticipating something's going to happen. Uh, And that's, you know, that's, that's impressive for a place that has had, you know, two of the top five hockey players of all time playing in this market with Mario Lemieux and Sidney Crosby to, for them to feel that every time Connor Bedard touches the puck is, is special and it's meaningful.
4: So by comparison, because he, he's on the ice with Sidney Crosby that that's certainly one comp for the you know the young next coming and and making his debut chicago had patrick kane as well like who who would be you know some of the other cops for for where he's at not just in in anticipation but actually physically like his stature and and mentally and emotionally how available and ready he seems for this moment
2: yeah i would say and i you know i'm not i'm not going to say that counter but is the next Sidney crosby that's a that's a huge jump because Crosby, when it's all said and done, might be like a Mount Rushmore kind of NHL player. But in terms of style of play, he's much closer to Crosby than he is to Kane. Uh, Kane was more of a uh, like a, more of a passive player, would play more on the perimeters, uh, would slow the game down. And kind of, I always would say that Patrick Kane was like Neo in the Matrix, right? Like he could see things at a slower pace and would play at a slower pace to kind of keep the opponent on their heels and a little bit scared but dart is full speed and he is a shot generator he is a chance generator um and he's he's not afraid even though he's you know 5'10 185 he's not afraid to go there right right in front of the net. a couple of his chances were right in front of the net today uh so he is dynamic he is fast he is shifty uh, and he can get from one place to another very very quickly whereas patrick kane was a little more methodical than that so if you're looking for a comp um I think Sidney Crosby is a good fit. I also think if you remember Martin San Louis, who had his best years with the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, another smallish kind of a player. He was a winger, not a center, but in terms of play style, uh, very similar to the Bedard.
1: Jay, when you're looking at like other sports, right? If it's an M- if it's NBA, let's say you're looking at like Victor Wimbenyama, a small frame. you you know Chet Holmgren, you know gets out all last season because of something like that. In the NFL, same thing. In, in in the NHL, when you're looking at a young guy who's, who's you know smaller than some of these. These guys that are he's going to be playing against. It's such a physical game. I mean, is there concern there, or is it because you know the pads are on, everybody's you know moving fast, you're able to be elusive in that space? That it's not not necessarily something people are thinking about.
2: Well, I want to make sure that there's a difference between small and short. Uh, Counter Bedard is short. He is not small. He is incredibly built. His legs are like tree trunks. Uh, he has the the body of a man. Um, he just happens to be a little bit shorter. Uh, than 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 what you would deem the ideal player, but he is so elusive and so quick that he's hard to hit. And if you think back to Patrick Kane's time here, and if you watch, you know Connor McDavid play and Sidney Crosby play, you can kind of count on one hand the times those guys have been hit hard in their career. Because a they're incredibly shifty, b they're incredibly aware aware of where they are on the ice and where the opponent is on the ice, and they know how to avoid contact without avoiding the high traffic areas so um you also have to know too like as a defender when you're when you're facing somebody with that kind of skill you are less likely to go at them because you are more likely to be embarrassed Uh, i remember as a kid i saw mario lemieux play in uh, chicago And he was just sort of standing along the boards. And my thought was like, well, someone just go get him. Like, someone go take (laughs) the puck away. And as soon as the Blackhawk made a move, Lemieux just took a step to his left and put a perfect pass on the tape. And and the Penguins scored. It was just like he was just daring you to come at him when he had the puck. So when you have guys with this kind of skill, these defenders know they can't be overly aggressive with them or it's going to cost them.
4: I find it intriguing where you, you mentioned that he got booed there in Pittsburgh initially during intros and the the perception around the n h l just for the anticipation that everyone came into tonight with. how do you anticipate him being received by the competitors on the ice? It's one thing for fans to be aware of it and the opposing crowds to say all right we're we're gonna we're gonna make sure this guy knows that he's he's not one of us. But it's another thing, actually, yeah. the, the guys on the <laughs> other teams who are on the ice with him. How how do you well, anticipate him being received?
2: Wherever he goes, he's going to be the biggest story, at least for the first, you know, half of the season. Um, I think it's it's a special sort of thing here in Pittsburgh where, you know, Bedard has kind of been anointed as the next thing, and they've got Sidney Crosby here, and they're not ready to say, No, 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 no. We've got number eighty seven here. You're not you're not stepping over him anytime soon. So I think there's a little bit of that element to it. Um, But it's just – I kind of compare to – there are a group of people that hate LeBron James simply because he was hyped, right? (laughs) And all LeBron James did was come in and do exactly what everyone said he was going to do, right? Like, at worst, he's the third best player of all time. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, maybe fourth if you want to throw Kobe in there. Like, it's – all he did was come in and completely deliver on everything he was supposed to do and there are still people who are like ah this guy sucks he's a bum because they just hate the hype and I think Bedard is going to experience some of that early we've seen some of it on social media because some of the highlights you saw during the preseason he just didn't score on those chances right so people are like why are we crowning this guy he didn't score a goal there so people are looking for a reason to uh to dislike him and I think that's like the true sign of a superstar, right? Is if if the 31 other teams in the league um, despise you, even though they'd probably all give up whatever they have to get you, um, (laughs) that means you've already made quite an impact on the game. And I think, you know, the fact that he's playing in Chicago, right, is sort of different from Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid playing in Canada. It doesn't have the same effect here as, you know, those two don't have the same effect in the States as Bedard does playing in Chicago. So I think he's getting a little more hype nationally because people look at Chicago and say, all right, that's that's here, and people think of Toronto and Edmonton is the other side of the world. But um he he's already, you know, one game in, there's already people with Bedard fatigue. <laughs> and <laughs> should be really excited about that. <laughs> one
1: period in Jay, one period yeah, in there exactly. <laughs> Fatigued with exactly. We're talking to Jay Zawoski, CHGO Blackhawks here on 670 the score. Also the I am fat pod, but of course my Bulls brother Rick Camp. Uh it's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron. Uh, before I let you go, I mean, you got to give me, you know, for the casual Blackhawks fan or casual that casual Blackhawks fan that's out there, and they're trying to really look at, at Connor Bedard and, and look at expectations, right? Because you look at a guy like mm-hmm. Patrick Kane, you saw him from the very beginning, from a young age, you know, to where he's at right now, and you're getting the same opportunity with Connor Bedard. I mean, what wh- what should they be really be, be honing in on and looking for with this guy?
2: Well, I just want to say this, and I I don't want to sound like I'm trying to overhype anybody. But if, if Conor Bedard reaches his potential, he will be the greatest Blackhawk of all time. Oh. I mean, that's, that is the kind wow. of talent that we're talking about here. And it's, you know, that's not just me. That's not just people in Chicago media wanting it to happen. This kid has been hyped since he was 13 years old. He would have been the number one overall pick at 16 years old. There's a reason that several teams in this league just punted on last season just for the percentage chance to draft this kid. It's it's it, I I have not seen anything like this in hockey before. I still think that when you, we look at this era, Connor McDavid will be the the A one, but I think Connor McDavid truly has a chance to be the guy that passes Gretzky. And I never thought I would say that in my lifetime. I thought that R- Gretzky's records were unbreakable, but when you watch the way Bedard or McDavid plays, it's possible. So if if Bedard is you know second or third to uh, McDavid and Crosby, that's, <laughs> that's very, crazy. very
1: good. That's great. That would be unreal. Yeah. All right, I guess I got to DVR all these games now. That's what you're telling me. All right, Jay, <laughs> thanks for hanging out with us, man. I appreciate you jumping on.
2: I appreciate having me. Love being on the score. Aww. I miss everybody there for the most part.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this guy's his nickname is The Standard here around these halls, <laughs> man. It is Jay Zawoski uh, hanging out with us, man. Make sure you follow him, Jay Zawaski on Twitter. X again, uh, nickname The Standard because that's what he said for mm. everyone around here, man. He was that kind of a dude. You know, I, I've been here since 08, and, and let me tell you, Jay Zawoski was that dude yeah. walking around the, this building right here, man. Let me be very clear. He he is most certainly that dude, and I knew that even on the other side. Uh, do not forget, uh, as we're talking about these Blackhawks, and tomorrow, 9.20 a.m., Kyle Davidson, the GM of the Chicago Blackhawks, will be hanging out with Mully and Hall. Going to be talking about the debut of Connor Bedard, and just the direction of the team in general. So I'm sure the fellas are going to have a very interesting conversation with uh, the new GM of the Chicago Blackhawks.
4: And there can be either of, of two options for how to go about sort of setting expectations for a fan base. And the Blackhawks, understandably, have kind of gone all in with making sure that everybody recognizes that they are the counter show that everybody else is welcome into the Connor Bedard show. Uh, the price of admission is worthwhile, and they're willing to say that expectations should be high, should be through the roof for everybody who wants to see where Bedard will be able to take this next, this next phase, this next era of Blackhawks hockey. You know, you could have gone the other way with it and just said, all right, you know, we we ha- we have a building block towards the future. But, you know, we're going to kind of take a wait-and-see approach. We're going to kind of build steadily and, you know, not necessarily wanting to overhype things to, you know, for whatever level of, of concern there might be for whether or not he can handle all the additional hype. But they've completely leaned into it from even since before they had officially drafted him. They were completely leaned into Conor Bedard and what he can mean for this franchise. And it, I'm, I'm struck by the fact that it's not, it's not only the Blackhawks that are leaning into it. the The NHL is completely complicit, you know, in all of this as well. Just kind of sport wide, leading, leaning into the level of stardom, superstardom, really, that they think you know, kind of Bedard can bring to the Blackhawks, one of the original six, and then in turn bring to the sport as a whole. And so everybody, just the domino effect of what can cascade from him and his success and his star power and specifically for being with the Blackhawks in the midst of that as well. So everybody is kind of on board with making this happen. And, you know, by all accounts, everybody that, that I've spoken to about it, everything I've read about it, is that he is mentally and emotionally capable capable of handling this in addition to having all that talent that Jay Zawoski was just describing to us.
1: Yeah, and, and he has his mom in his corner who is still, you know, keeping him as humble as humble can be. Uh, this is from Philip Thompson on Twitter. He said, Connor Bedard's mom planned to move the family into Blackhawks head coach Luke Richardson's apartment building, oh. but told him, hey, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. He's got to make the team. <laughs> to which Richardson responded. I, like I looked at her and I said, I think you can – He'll be okay. <laughs> don't, don't worry; it's gonna be all good, Mom. Mom always, Mom always keeps me in place. Hey, son, you gotta play a little harder. Mom, I'm the best right. person on the team. I'm playing yeah. as hard as I possibly can. <laughs> uh, speaking of the best person on the team, when it comes to the Minnesota Vikings, Justin Jefferson will not, or might not be there on Sunday, uh, and we get to talk to sideline reporter Ron Johnson about Justin Jefferson, the implications of him being gone, what that means for the team moving forward in the 2023 season, and we will discuss that next right here on 670
0: The Score. We're back live with more of Anthony Heron and Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score and Odyssey Station.
1: Ready to talk some Minnesota Vikings football with our next guest. But before we do that, Anthony Heron, Gabe Ramirez, here on 670 The Score. Uh, and I'm looking at this game, and... I could I, so so I've I've gone to my fair share of what what team have you seen the Bears play the most in person?
4: Oh man, who about I, I guess maybe the Lions, I guess because uh some of those games <laughs> I was actually participating in yeah, as well. Right. So. you like
1: from the fields while I yeah, was yeah, right, the right. I was trying to
4: think about that <laughs> through that lens, but yeah, definitely some of the the divisional foes, probably the Lions would be the one I've seen them play most often, but. Definitely feels like there's been some games. Like I feel like the games that they've let slip away most often has probably been the ones against the Vikings over the years.
1: I got to tell you, I've been to my fair share of Bears games at Soldier Field and away. And without question, it is the Minnesota Vikings. I've seen okay. the most, most. whether it's people just being like, hey, I got some extra tickets. And you're like, oh, yeah, to who? <laughs> Vikings. And you're like, for the eighth year in a row, I'm checking out <laughs> the Vikings. This is awesome. But I always feel like for one reason or another, you know, especially over the last decade, they've just been a team that has been been a thorn in the big toe of the Chicago Bears. Like, they're a team that, you know, always – I just think back to even, like, Dante Culpepper days, right? That, that That's that's where I'm going straight to. But, like, the domination that was, you know, from, from, from those squads and then, you know, you got your Randy Moss moments, you got, you know, your Adrian Peterson moments, and then now here you are with Justin Jefferson just lighting you up every opportunity he gets – and Kirk Cousins, you know, finally solidifying that quarterback position since then, and it again, it, you talk about the 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 culture of the Bears and where they want to be. I think it's it's important to to try to establish that early in, in a team in in a division where they haven't performed particularly well. the Chicago Bears, you know, they're trying to get that first elusive, uh, you know, uh, division win, and they get the opportunity to do that uh, on Sunday, and we'll we'll be able to see it firsthand uh, if they get to do so. But we get to talk to our next guest about that.
2: Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device, credit, service, ported. 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.
4: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medella is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy. The tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
1: He is the host of The Ron Johnson Show on Lockdown, Minnesota. Also, the co host of Vikings Game Day Live. It is uh, none other uh, than the Minnesota Gopher alum, Ron Johnson. Ron, welcome to the show.
3: Hey, appreciate you guys for having me.
1: Of course. So, I mean, obviously, everybody wants to know about Justin Jefferson. But I, I, I want to take it even, like, a, a, a layer deeper, right? Like, peel off one more layer from the onion and be like, is there any, like, underlying drama that exists there in the relationship between Justin Jefferson and the Minnesota Vikings?
3: No, no. Um, I think the biggest thing is people are just trying to create a narrative um, to sell, you know, clicks and sell their story. Everybody wants Kirk Cousins to uh, – or, sorry, Justin Jefferson to uh, either be traded or go to a different team. People want Kirk Cousins to get traded. Um it, it just creates a good narrative. Justin Jefferson's biggest thing is he's always said this is he wants to know who his quarterback is and that's it. So I don't I wouldn't say there's drama there. There's just figuring out if, if this is a season that's gonna go down where they end up getting the fourth pick, who's the quarterback, or can they find a way to, to re sign Kirk Cousins for another year or two? Um, understanding that Kirk has to know like playing till forty and being extremely productive is probably uh, not always going to be the best way for them to handle it. And so I think that's the key is how, how much can they sign Kirk cousins for? And then how long can they keep possibly a rookie if they can draft somebody or get somebody in there? And it doesn't have to be a first round pick. And I think that's what people are always looking at. Like how let's tank for this person. Um, but Justin also knows like, you know, guys like Russell Wilson drafted in the third round Dak Prescott in the fourth round. Uh, I mean, Brock Purdy, we were seeing him tear it up and he was a seventh round pick. So, hmm at the end of the day you you just have to try to draft. I mean and the Vikings tried it. They tried to draft they drafted Kellen Mann and uh it didn't work. And so that's and now they drafted Jaron Hall out of BYU and, and you know and their hopes is to see what they can get out of this kid. And early signs are showing he doesn't have what they were hoping, but that's just early signs. Um he's not gonna play unless Kirk Cousins gets hurt. Um so yeah, i I think Justin Jefferson's just fine. He just wants to know who his quarterback is like I I mean, I get it. I probably would sign for 180 million, and I wouldn't care who took the ball. <laughs> um, but but some right. people, you know, for him, it's like, hey, look, I, I I'm willing to make this long term commitment. And also, he knows though, he can get that money probably from a lot of other teams too that might have a quarterback for him. And so that's the other thing he has to be smart with what he has because he only have a small window. And honestly, he probably has a little bit of FOMO. I mean, when he looks over at his boy Jamar Chase with with his boy Joe Burrow, mm. you know, it's a little bit of FOMO there as well. Like, man, how come I didn't end up in that situation? And so you know, there's always that lingering because I know, you know, Jamar Chase reminds him all the time, uh, you know, man, like, you, you know, you wouldn't it be nice to play with Joe Burrow? And so that's just where Justin Jefferson is right now. And it sucks that he, you know, hurt his hamstring because he was on pace for 2,000 yards.
4: And with the just the raw physical abilities that Justin Jefferson brings to the table, you you, you can see how he's just been able to terrorize defenses throughout his young career so far, but how different, is the Vikings offense led by Kirk cousins without Justin Jefferson on the field. He's, he's on injured reserve. We know he's going to miss at least the next four weeks. So bears fans are are happy about that with the Vikings on the schedule here for this weekend. But what does that really mean for how, how less potent should we anticipate the Vikings offense being?
3: I don't think it'll be less potent. You you still got guys like TJ Hawkinson and, and Jordan Addison and KJ Osborne and, and mainly Jordan Addison and T.J. Hawkinson. T.J. Hawkinson, you know, one of the highest-paid tight ends, if not the highest-paid tight end in the NFL. And then you got Jordan Addison, the first-round draft pick, former Balitnikov winner. When you look at those two guys, the problem with the targets is they weren't able to get them to them every time they wanted. Like, T.J. Hawkinson led the team in first-down receptions or targets above Justin Jefferson. So, clearly, there was an initiative to try to go elsewhere on first down. Let's work Justin in the progressions, and then let's slowly burn into this offense to get them going. Now you have to kind of fast forward and maybe put that plan in higher and hyperdrive when it's like, hey, okay, we don't have Justin as a second option. Because I think Justin on first down was around 15 targets. TJ was around 16. So there's about 15 to 30 targets now um, on first, second, third down that they have to find somebody else to get them to. And now, you know, a clearly the clear answer is, uh, is going to be a guy like Jordan Addison. I mean, he's a guy that can take the top off. So I don't think it's going to be less potent. I think what's going to happen is you're going to have less focus. Like when teams play the Vikings and Justin Jefferson, if I'm a safety, I know I have to keep an eye on where Justin Jefferson's lined up. If I'm the nickel versus the corner, I we have to figure out, are you good enough to cover him? Um, You know, should you be, you know, like, and honestly, like Terrell Smith, love him to death, former Gopher. Um, that's one of those things where if Terrell Smith somehow ends up lined up on Justin Jefferson, that's a an alert maybe to say, hey, we got to keep an eye on this or whatever. Or if he ends up motioning and gets a, a matchup on a linebacker, you don't leave him alone on a linebacker. Even though the Packers did it for some reason against the uh, with Devontae Adams, I don't know why you would line up a linebacker on Devontae Adams, but you know that Justin Jefferson is that kind of guy. You alert whenever he's in a sp- specific spot. So I think it's going to be less like attention to detail with some of like who's lined up where. I think now this is going to be a game for the Bears where they're just going to line up and play. You know, like they're going to, if they're in cover two, four, three, whatever it is, they're not going to really worry about where a specific receiver is, where with Justin Jefferson, you have to keep an eye on him at all times.
1: We're talking to Ron Johnson, co-host of Vikings Game Day Live, also host of the Ron Johnson Show on Lockdown, Minnesota. Here on 670 The Score, I'm Gabe Ramirez along with Anthony Herron. Ron, I look at this Vikings team, and i watched every one of their games. Hey, turnovers have been an issue. Uh, since the very beginning, even last last week against the Chiefs, and it seems like their 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 team is better than what their record shows. Is that the narrative in Minnesota with this squad, or or is it everyone's just kind of turned their back on the team and been like, nah, they're trash"?
3: Yeah, no, that's definitely it. I mean, if you remove some of these turnovers, even the first one with uh, Josh Oliver to start this pass game, if he doesn't fumble that ball, the Chiefs probably don't go down. Not probably. They don't go down and score the first play. I think the Vikings probably would have went down and scored. Uh, momentum was in their favor. The crowd was behind them. Um, you know, they had everything going, Complete completed early pass. And then you give Patrick Mahomes a short field, which you can't win if you give Patrick Mahomes a short field. To give him a short field, he comes down and scores. If you were to say, even if they had punted, them driving 80 yards, they probably kick a field goal. So instead of going in the half, 10-10, which as much as they fumbled and, and, you know, as bad as they played just to be a 10-10, they're probably like, man, okay, it's 0-0 coming out the half. But they probably go into the half 16-3 or 16-6. And that's the big difference in that fumble. And then you look at the other games where Alexander Madison fumbled. You look at some of the – even the drops, though, like, like TJ Hawkinson, has some humongous drops that hit his hands, the interception to in the game against the Chargers, same thing. If he just catches that ball, when you ask to be the highest paid tight end in football and you want to reset the market, you make that catch. I was always told if it touches your hands, you catch it. And so that's that's where I think you know a little bit of the business side of football in the NFL takes over the emotional side. And, and you guys know this. When you miss time at practice, you miss time gelling with your teammates. You miss time working on routes. You miss time on – like, hey, if I'm I'm running the the goal line curl, let's call it, I know if I see a defender to my right, I need to shuffle right away to my left. He didn't do that. He kind of came out and kind of took his time out the break. And then the ball – Kirk Cousins put it in the only spot he can get it away from the defender if he had been on the same page with Kirk from training camp. He probably makes that catch but because he was leaving every day with a uh, uh, an apparent ear infection and then a back injury I know this if somebody said I'll give you 50 million dollars would you play with an ear infection I got you damn right you're going to play with an ear
1: infection put, put him in both and ears so, put the ear infection in both ears st-
3: and so care. that's that's the difference in like what I what I saw with that ear infection thing and I'm like I get it it's business but just just say it's business and you know as a team and as an organization my agent we've decided it's best I get off the field so I don't get hurt in practice cuz I'm still looking for a big contract Contract because, like, that's what people now are now saying about Justin Jefferson. Like, oh, he hurt his hamstring. Uh, what if it was something serious and and he hasn't gotten his big payday that he wanted to get a, You know, there's all that kind of stuff, too. Like, okay, now I'm out here playing for y'all and I don't have a contract and then you only owe me $19 million next year. What if I tear my knee apart and I can't ever, you know, play again? You're not going to give me $180 million. And so I know that's the business side of this. And so, but TJ Hawkinson, I think that was the key is like he hasn't, I don't think he's fully gotten comfortable into this offense again like he has to kind of get it back going again and 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 the second part of this like minnesota last year i feel like early on this year has been of ago because last year they had a rabbit's foot up their butt every game that was a one score game they won 11 and oh and so when you have that when you come back 33 to nothing when you come back uh and beat a team like buffalo and and have a one-handed catch on fourth down josh allen fumbles the ball you start the season off like, man, you know what? Like, this is us. we gonna, we going to get this done regardless. And I think that a little bit of that has happened, too. Um, if you think about great basketball teams, like I love Kentucky basketball. Think about how great Kentucky basketball was, how they blow people out, and then they get into some games in the finals, and they just, like, poop down their pants because they're like, oh, we're this, is this good, and we don't need to play hard. And a team comes out and kills them. So I think that's where Minnesota was at. They just had a persona about themselves. That felt like, you know what, any given Sunday, we're going to win this game. And this year, those same one-score games, they're one and four. So that's the big difference.
4: And the the narrative thing that you mentioned earlier that happens in Minnesota, we get a lot of that in Chicago as well, like, you know, going into the Thursday night game. It was kind of like earlier in that week for the Bears when they were getting ready to play on Thursday night football. It kind of seemed like earlier in the week – there was kind of the question of like, well, man, would it be wild if Matt Eberflus' job was on the line? And then by the end of the week, that turned into the Bears' rumors say they might fire Matt Eberflus if he loses the Thursday night game. That being said, Ron Johnson, Colt McCoy was in for a workout for the Vikings, apparently. Yep. And uh, how do you think that? what do you think that means does it indicate anything kirk cousins has a no trade clause there are rumors about maybe he could go elsewhere could he be the jets qb and everything else where do you think his future with the vikings sits
3: well if he does try to remove that no trade clause it's up to him so that it would have to be a team that him and his agent feel comfortable about to say okay let's 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 amend this you know no trade clause and here's the team's we want to be traded to, And they can, you know, they can edit that language to say, here's the only team we want to deal with, or there's only one team we want to deal with. You know, they could do that. Colt McCoy come in. Honestly, I think when you look at like Nick Mullins, um, you know, he, he wasn't around and he's technically the backup. Uh, they had Jaron Hall in there. I think they were just bringing in somebody cause they had Tanner Morgan, former gopher on practice squad. I think they have just been trying to find another person to possibly be a, a true backup. And, and you know this too, man. Anybody on the street, teams are just going to bring them in anyway. Like, you, because you don't know what you're going to get. Um, there's guys on the street right now that are looking for workouts. Their agents are trying to get them in places. And so, a lot of times, too, it's just, hey, let's, you owe me one, man. Bring my guy in and uh, let me know what you think if he's better than what you have in your building. So, I think it was more of a true, like, hey, we, like he could be our true backup in case we do at some point, maybe just shut Kirk down and say, look, like, we've lost 10 games, it's over, and then you want to let Colt McCoy get some play if he is the guy or maybe it is Jaron Hall, the rookie. Um, but I think it's just trying to figure it out. This this is like what the third quarter or second quarterback they bought in now. So I think they're just trying to throw spaghetti up against the wall and see what sticks. Um, but that's what it's about when you have guys on the street that don't have jobs. Everybody wants a shot, and uh, that's just them doing, you know, not say doing his agent a solid, but doing their due diligence to make sure they take a look at all the players out there.
1: Talking to Ron Johnson right here on 670, The Score, Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron. Ron, I know you, you know, by profession, you're, you're, you're a wide receiver. So I'm curious, you know, when you look at a guy like Justin Fields and what he's been through in, the, in his first couple of seasons in the NFL, right? I mean, obviously it seems like things have clicked with DJ Moore over the last couple of weeks. But before that, you know, you've, you had some of those skill position players being like, I wouldn't want ca- to catch balls from Justin Fields. You as a receiver. Uh, what you see from him and what you were like—is that somebody who you would feel comfortable with? Like that's my QB one, and I'm catching catching everything he's throwing my way.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, this is thing, man. About quarterbacks is it's all about the coach. And I and I had the the the, the I was blessed with the opportunity to coach with Tony Dungy in Indianapolis. Uh, for a year and then Jim Caldwell when Tony retired Jim Caldwell rehired me and bought me back the next year so I spent a lot of time in Indy watching quarterback play watching the conversations quarterbacks have with receivers and not just Peyton Manning because that's easy to say yeah he's a great but even Jim Sorge when you watch the backups and how they operate and again they learn from Peyton but the one thing I always knew was Tom Moore who's super old still coaching with the Buccaneers he was my dad's coach in college at Eastern Michigan he was also my dad's coach uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was there when I was born in 1980. And so Tom Moore, man, watching him operate as an offensive coordinator slash quarterback guru, uh, helping Peyton Manning understand coverages. Because Peyton, I remember they told me a story of, like, when Peyton, uh, they came in, the new coaches came in, and Peyton Manning's like, hey, man, we did this play in whatever year. And, and Tom Moore was like, yeah, you also went 3-14. and 14. Get out of my face. <laughs> you know, like – so that was the difference is like Tom Moore helped Peyton become who he was by just attrition of figuring out here's what defenses want to do. There's always one place you can go with a football because if they cover everything, then you got to run Peyton can't run. So Peyton had to manipulate the defense to get it to a spot where he knew he can get them the ball you no know, his receiver, the ball. I think Justin Fields is the, 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 the opposite. Whereas if everything's covered, he can run. But you got to give him routes. You got to give him help understanding the offense. You got to you got to motion and shift guys so that if there's a guy in motion, he can see right away. Okay, this is man or zone. Because they're, if they don't move, okay, it's some kind of zone. If they chase, it's some kind of true man. Is it single high? Is it two man? Whatever. And and, and again, this is why quarterbacks get paid all the money. They got to do all of this within 35 seconds. But my point is, is you can help him out um and Anthony you remember those days of us playing in college the hitch and the slant and the out was like a go-to route Mm. they don't do that anymore like it's almost like everybody wants to trick everybody with all their tricky routes but at the end of the day sometimes you just got to run a bubble screen sometimes you just got to run a jet sweep sometimes you just you got to do simple stuff and you see I think the, the Bears trying to get back to simple you see some of those routes to DJ Moore that were touchdowns We're just, or big runs, a big play. We're simple, just simple one-on-one man beaters, curl, come back. Like when you can simplify the offense for a guy like Justin Fields, I think it makes it better when you give him. and, And again, he said he didn't do it on purpose, but he said I was thinking too much. So clearly there was way too much being thrown at him within this offensive scheme. And maybe they simplified it after they got rid of chase Claypool or, you know, the two weeks leading up to that, they started to simplify it a little bit to say, Hey, here's the two routes. Here's the three routes. Here's this, you know, like you don't worry about all this and maybe you'll see him start to get, you know, a little bit more relaxed.
4: Ron, give us a sense for that, that Vikings defense then the Justin Fields and the Bears offense is going to face. Oh,
3: I mean, it's like playing Madden with your little brother. Like they, they're going to blitz you until you figure it out. Like that's, that's what it is. If I'm playing against my little brother or my little sister. I'm just going to blitz if I'm playing Madden. And That's what this Vikings defense does, man. They they want you to be so uncomfortable that you want to call a timeout, or that you need to check out of your play, and then when you check out of your play, they check out of their play. You know, so it's it's a it's a cat and mouse game or chess game with Brian Flores. I will say this: you look at 2019, 20, and 21 Miami Dolphins; they got progressively better every year. Uh, Brian Flores is leading the league in, in pressures and, and getting after the quarterback. Uh, at the end of the day, we always said if this defense can be a top 15, top 20 defense, that's it. Because the, the coach won a Super Bowl with a top 25 defense, but a, number, a top five offense. The Vikings have a top five offense. The common denominator is turnovers. Brian Flores is doing his job. He's forcing the punt. He's getting the ball back for the offense. But the offense has got to stop turning the ball over. But that defense, honestly, they, they just line up and get after you a number of ways uh, with their front seven. And then they bring in, I mean, they have five safeties on the roster. So they love to go three safety looks bring a safety down into the box as a backer, bring a safety to the line of scrimmage as a, as a rush in. They do a lot of things. And then if you do try to shift out a motion or do a hot route, they have a guy down that can cover. So it's complex. It's chaos when you watch it on film. Uh, a lot of it doesn't make sense because you look at the, the coverage and you're like, what is that? Uh, you look at some of the personnel packages where there's no defensive alignment in the game. It's extremely crazy and wild, but it's just crazy enough that it does give quarterbacks fits. Because you watch Patrick Mahomes, he did not look comfortable the entire game. Travis Kelsey did not look comfortable the entire game. And so, Flores did a good job. The Vikings just couldn't get over that last hump. One, they turned it over. And two, they couldn't drive down at the end.
4: Before we let you run, how, what would you uh, describe as the vibe in Minnesota right now? Who would you pick in the game coming up?
3: Oh, I'm picking the Minnesota Twins over the Houston Astros <laughs> tomorrow. Um <laughs> <laughs> that's our vibe right now man we 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 just got beat nine to one the astros we did beat the astros in houston the bats came alive uh the hitters were hidden the, the fielders were filled and the pitchers were pitching today i don't know we was hoping for 30 degrees to to freeze out the houston astros and then uh it was warm weather here so they felt like home and they absolutely murdered them from the start but no i mean the, i mean honestly the vibe here man is fans have kind of They've given up a little bit, but not given up to the point where they're being rude. They just, I think they're just tired of, like, the other shoe dropping. Justin Jefferson's injury feels like the other shoe dropped. Um, you know, it's just, it's just one thing after the next with Minnesota football where you're like, oh, we get Brian Flores, we're going to be super good, and then it's like turnover, turnover, turnover on the offense. Like, there's, there's so much of that. So I think the vibe, honestly, man, is people are just sick and tired, and so they're just kind of quiet. There's not a lot of, like, the, the stadium against the Chiefs, was eerie like it wasn't like a lot of cheering it wasn't like it every once in a while on third down they would get loud but you know it's just one of those things where people were more interested in why Taylor Swift didn't come than the game sometimes (laughs) you know that you could you could hear fans murmuring about that you could see people looking around because there was a piece of tape on her suite that she was supposed to be in so people were looking to see if maybe she was hiding in the back and she didn't want to be seen so yeah it was an eerie feeling man it's just the Minnesota vibe is just everybody's so sick of being mediocre. Um, I think it's, what, been 53 years of this organization and no Super Bowl. And so that's that's where fans are. They're like, when are we going to have our chance? And so that's where they are right now. And this doesn't seem like the year. So it's like another year of like, okay, do we go through QB, you know, uh, the QB desert? You know, if you let Kirk Cousins go, can you survive it? Are you going to get another, you know, bunch of Rudy Poos or... Can you get lucky and, and be like some of these organizations that find, you know, needles in the haystack, like, the you know, like the 49ers?
1: Wow. I mean, that that is real. I know the Bears are going to be traveling well to Minnesota. Or, excuse me. He's going to be here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know they're going to be tra- uh, traveling well when they do go up there, and hopefully uh, those tickets will be cheap by that time. Hey, Ron, I appreciate you <laughs> jumping on with us, man. Have a great night, all right? All right, man. Take care. Of course, appreciate Ron Johnson, you, host of the Ron Johnson Show on Lockdown Minnesota. And, of course, co-host of Vikings Game Day Live. Um, Ron's Ron's a, a really cool dude, man. He seems like, yeah. you know, just super buttoned up. You could tell he's in, in, in on the Vikings, though. Emotionally attached, I would say.
4: Mm-hmm. And he is a, a very frustrating player to compete against as well. He was at Minnesota while I was at Iowa. He had some... Unfortunate big game deciding catches against us and <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But he is he is an excellent member of the Minnesota media, but at the collegiate and the professional level covering the Vikings. He's the goods. That's right, man.
1: Ron Johnson, make sure you follow him on Twitter at three Ron Johnson. All right, it's Gabe Ramirez. It's Anthony Herring. One more break before we say our goodbyes. We'll do that after this. On six seventy, the score
0: we're back live with more of anthony heron and gabe ramirez on 670 the score in odyssey station
1: gabe ramirez anthony heron wrapping things up on a tuesday oh man and how you feeling man
4: you okay over there uh, feeling good if you ask me uh ask me that as a I was at an awkward moment finishing a, a sip of water, but yes, <laughs> I actually, I, I feel better than I sounded right there at, at that time. But
1: I knew you were choking up; I just didn't know why. Yeah, <laughs> right, right.
4: No, I'm, I'm eagerly anticipating the weekend, though. I, I legitimately am. I think the, uh, especially, I mean, frankly, as, as good as Rom was, Fran Johnson talking about the Vikings, I think if anything, this Bears fans listening to that should make you feel a little bit better about the position the team is in right now. Not only with no Justin Jefferson, but just a franchise with. Yeah, with the hopes feeling a bit dashed, at least the fan base, and then some of the turmoil surrounding whether or not Kirk Cousins is going to finish the season with them, let alone his career. What does that mean for Justin Jefferson moving forward? And a very blitz happy approach, but an offense that turns it over a bunch. And now we've seen just finally the Bears getting to the point where they're taking the football away from the opponent. I mean, I think, you know, I hope that provided some context to uh, to Bears fans listening in for the opportunity that's here for the Bears this coming Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I just don't know how to feel, you know? <laughs> encouraged. I know it's not a feeling we've had a lot in following the Bears over the last couple of seasons, but I, I think it's worth feeling encouraged.
1: I think I think for me, I need
4: huh, – You got to see three. it for a little bit longer. I need
1: three more weeks of it. Okay, okay. Like one more week against the Vikings, you're like, oh, no, Justin Jefferson, they were going to outscore you, you know. Forty mm-hmm. to thirty-three or something like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, I felt like you're gonna lose there, and, and so, but so you won that once. So I don't want to have this false hope because you beat a team that it's not at full strength, and then you know, you know, then you give me so you give me that game. I'm okay with that, and then uh-huh. I'm like, all right, but I'm not gonna believe it fully yet. And then you're mm-hmm. two and four, you're still a ways away, and then all of a sudden, you know, next comes up the Las Vegas Raiders. Jimmy G loves playing against the Bears for whatever right. reason, uh, but let's say you go beat them up, and it's like, well. Is Devontae Adams playing? Is Josh Jacobs there? You know, that's a tough game to win, first of all. Mm. Um, and then then it's my game where I go out <laughs> and I go to L.A. to go see the Bears play the Chargers. Oh, you are going to L.A. Okay. I'll, I'll be there. And so, for me, it's like if you can – first of all, if they win th- those three games, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that's just like – look how happy I am laughing. I'm, <laughs> I'm giggling and giddy thinking about the possibility. But I would, I would need something like that, at least two or three wins – uh, two out of three there to make me feel good. They'd have to be either the the Raiders or the Chargers to like really put me in a good a good place.
4: It's interesting because you know last season where the Bears were at least running off some of that offensive success, but they weren't necessarily winning games. It does feel like it's in a different position this year, where you know that Denver game because they hadn't won in so long. The offensive success in that game wasn't enough because we just hadn't seen it in such a long time. Now there's finally a dove, and so it does. It does seem like it's got some renewed hope for what this season can become. I think there's going to be a delicate balance for Bears fans moving forward as far as how much of it is going to be based on wins, how much of it is going to be based off the performance of Justin Fields. Still, you know, having folks feeling like there's a, a bright future with the squad, regardless of how many games are won this season.
1: And that's why we got to live in the present, and And I've been happy since Thursday night. I got to say that. Uh, <laughs> I've yes. been in
4: a state of despair, so that's good. I
1: want to thank our guests for today Kevin Fishbane for hanging out with us, Cody Westerland, Jay Zawaski, and of course, Ron Johnson from the Minnesota Vikings. I uh, want to thank our producers today, Alex Kuhn and Robbie Triano. Uh, and also want to say make sure you check out Anthony Heron and I Friday. Bears, oh, yeah. Bears Unleashed, along with Cassie Carlson, 10 p.m. on Fox 32. And have a good night. All right, brother?
4: Appreciate you, my friend. Alex like will be in with uh, with Danny Parkins. I'll be on Parkins and Spiegel on Thursday, filling in for Spee While well, he's out of town for a little while, so it will be the next time folks can hear me here on the station. I love that. I'll be on tomorrow, 6 o'clock,
1: with Mark Grody, so make sure you're here for that. All right, mi gente. That means my people. Hasta la próxima. That means until next time. I am Gabe Ramirez. He is Anthony Heron, and this is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The score.
0: Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone